co-host of For Vermont Viewpoint today. I'm filling in for Kevin Ellis. And on the phone, I have Ben Kinsley, who has many hats. And today, the hat he's wearing is uh, as a board member of Campaign for Vermont. Campaign for Vermont just announced a public opinion poll on the governor and the legislature, and we wanted to talk about it because it's fascinating. So, Ben, welcome to the program. Hi, Pat. Glad to be here. Thank you. Long time no see, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Always. Yeah, right. So, on November 29th, um, oops, November 29th, uh, Campaign for Vermont, as I said, announced that it had commissioned a bipartisan scientific public opinion poll of Vermonters to hopefully educate Vermont middle class by shining a light on disconnects between the legislature and the governor on policy priorities. So, Ben, can you talk about how the survey was conducted, the methodology used, and um, what we've got? Because it's fa- it's fascinating. Yeah, thank you, Pat. Um, so this uh, this uh, poll was conducted by a bipartisan team of pollsters. Uh, it surveyed 400 Vermont adults um, who are age 18 or older. Uh, it was conducted November 14th through 16th, so a couple weeks ago. Um, but it's still pretty pretty fresh. Um, the poll has a plus minus 4.9% uh, accuracy rate or margin of error at a 95% confidence interval. So some of those numbers will increase for, you know, cross tabs when we start looking at that, but the top line numbers are all, all within those, uh, that framework. Okay, cool. If people really uh, want to take a look at this, um, survey um it will be on campaign for vermont's uh, website um and could you explain ben i love this word you use could you explain how the interviews were stratified i had to look that uh, word up believe it or not but could you talk about it by county media market and uh, age gender and how how it all was was compiled yeah so we made sure that the uh, this is actually a mix of um phone calls to landlines and mobile phones uh, as well as text messages so it was broken up oh. about um a third each with each of those collection me- mechanisms so um and then also we made sure that there is geographic distribution um so that each part of the state was represented appropriately um looking at you know counties and and media markets which is kind of the other way that um, pollsters tend to look at these things. So that's great. So let's get into the meat of this uh, poll here. Can you review some of the more uh, surprising results for our, which there were? Yeah, I definitely. I think there was a number of surprising results here. Um, I think the first, uh, the first one um, was that 53% of Vermonters believe that we are on the wrong track. The state as a whole is on the wrong track. Um, you know, 35% thought we were uh, going in the, the right direction. Um, so that's a, a differential of uh, 18 uh, points there in terms of people who think that we're headed in the wrong direction versus the right direction. What kind of stands out there is people with less than a college degree were two to one huh. um, on that issue, thinking that we were heading in the wrong direction as a state. Interesting. I know you've got a bunch of other um, issues as well. Maybe we can go over the how the governor did and the legislature. Yeah. Yep. So we we asked um, a number of questions kind of at the beginning of the poll um, about how people rate the performance of the governor 
and the legislature in terms of advancing issues that they care about. So we specifically put it in that context. Um, we framed it as, uh, you know, do you believe that um, the governor or the legislature are championing issues that are important to you? Um, on that front, uh, the governor, uh, Governor Scott, got a 64 percent approval rating with a 30 percent disapproval rating, so two-thirds in favor. Um, what's interesting there is that number cuts across all three huh. major political groups. So Republicans, Democrats, and independents were all all had the same margin, two-thirds in favor. Um, that's pretty much unheard of right. when you talk about governors across the country to win all three of those groups by – the same number, more or less, uh, is pretty impressive. Yeah, there was so. just an article I read not too long ago, within the last week or two, about his popularity um, among other governors, and and uh, just very interesting, especially since this is not a Republican state. Um, so they were rather impressed with that. Yeah, I think you kind of have to, um, you know, if you're the leader of a state like Vermont. So um, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Again, that was framed in, in policy issues, around policy issues, not not necessarily just straight-up popularity. So um, when you move on to the legislature, we see those numbers flip. So only a 40% approval rating for the legislature and a 51% disapproval rating. Um, there were some significant differences here between uh, men and women. Um, you know, men were two-thirds unfavorable and uh, women were slightly favorable by about 10, 10 percentage points. Huh. Um, we do see some big um, differences here, like Democrats are much more favorable, two-thirds in favor. Um, uh, Republicans were nearly universal, universally unfavorable, um, but independents were two-thirds unfavorable Interesting. Uh, when it came to the legislature. So there's some differences there as well. Uh, listen, if uh, any listener, they want to talk to Ben about this because we've got so much to discuss. The number here is 244-1777 if you want to ask any questions or challenge anything Ben's saying. Um, you'll be able to answer. And you ha- you had your press release. This is the one you and I've talked about lots. Your press release noted that there was a finding that two-thirds of respondents claim to follow the policies and actions of the governor and legislature closely. And you know, I think you should, the question should have asked, do you follow sound bites? Um, I, <laughs> I, I, I think people, uh, don't really get into the depth of any, any bills or, or knowing about their legislature. They don't go beyond the sound bites and, um, I'm, I'm obvious, I may be wrong because the numbers are what they are. I just don't, I just don't believe it to tell you the truth. Right. So this is self-reported, right? These are people right. saying, claiming that they follow, um, closely. In particular, I think 40% uh, said they followed somewhat closely. I think that's probably the group that, um, when they say they follow somewhat closely, it's probably they read headlines and maybe the first paragraph of an article. Exactly. Or catch, catch something on the radio. And, you know, they may have a, a vague understanding of what's going on, but um, I would be surprised if two-thirds are actually um, diving into the details. Yeah, thank you for that, because I just can't – I've talked about this with so many people since this came out, and they all agree. They're like, what? I don't think so. But um, <laughs> but I think you're right. It's all the – it's the sound bites. Um, but at least they know it's there, and they're paying attention. So kudos for that, I, I think – 
I would always feel if I under if I thought that people truly understood when they're voting, even if they voted against what I believe, I would be okay with it because I know they knew what they were voting for and and uh, you know said yes. But anyway, that's another whole yeah. that's another yeah. whole if show. If you're making an informed decision, exactly right. right. We were just discussing the first release of the poll that. Uh, was um, um, commissioned by Campaign for Vermont. You and just this week, you released the second release, which has a lot of information about top issues and again about favorability. So maybe we can jump right into that. What are the most important issues facing Vermonters today, according to the results of your poll? That's a great question, um, and we asked it in two different ways, actually. Um, so we asked like. You know, what are the most important issues that you believe uh, the state is facing? And then what uh, are the biggest issues that you and your family um, are, are being impacted by the most? So we asked it in two different ways. And some of the most interesting results to me are um, the differences between how people answered those two questions. Huh. So we can dive into that. Yeah, go right ahead. Um, so, you know, in terms of issues facing the states, uh, um, affordable housing was the top issue at 21 percent. It was l- largely driven by Democrats uh, who, you know, one out of every three Democrat responded. This is their top issue. Um, young people and uh, and uh, women uh, largely drove that number. Um Number two and three is interesting. Uh, so the, the second issue that was mentioned most frequently uh, was crime and safety. Um, and the third issue was – and crime and safety is at 12 percent. Drugs was the third issue uh, at 10 percent. And if you combine those two, it's 22 percent. It would actually be number one if we had combined wow. uh, crime, safety, and drugs in uh, as one category. Um, so that's kind of an interesting uh, and pretty stark finding um, that that this has crept up to really be the number, depending on how you calculate it, it could be the number one issue or it could be the number two and three issue, uh, depending on how you look at it. Um, so that was a pretty startling finding for us. I agree, because I think um, uh, over the years, Vermont has changed quite a bit in the safety area Um I'm looking at things a little differently these days than I did uh, five, even five years ago. I never yeah, thought about you know, stuff live, like this. Uh, uh, I live in Burlington, wow. and uh, Burlington is not the same place that it was right. 10 years ago. Um, you know, everyone's feeling that. Yep. Um, and I would say in these numbers, uh, you know, we do see um, Burlington and Chittenden, uh or excuse me, Burlington and Rutland areas driving those numbers to some degree. Yep. Um, but this is pretty universal across the state, even though the, the sentiment is a little higher in some of those areas, those more uh, urban areas. This is pretty universal. Well, we're also inundated with stuff on the TV, on cable. Uh, everywhere you look, they're talking crime. Um, so yeah. that probably um, clouds things a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. And um so, you know, some of the other issues that people flagged, economy and jobs was number four at 9%. Cost of living was number five at 8%, and taxes was 7%. And then following that, things like homelessness, uh, government, corruption, uh, and then um, education, affordability, elderly, retiree issues, and then other stuff. Um, 
what's most notable here is that uh, both health care and climate change both only got 4% uh, of people flagging it as their top issue um, when asked about issues facing the state. So those two are kind of surprising, um, you know, especially given uh, where state government is spending their time and energy, right. um, that those issues were ranked so low mm. with uh, with the public. Huh. Well, I know you also had um, people weighing in on the quality and condition of Vermont's infrastructure as being fairly high and uh, because – I mean, obviously they're talking roads, bridges, and highways, but they're also just coming off of a huge flood and and um, you know looking to the infrastructure to uh, in the future to to mitigate uh, any flooding in their area, right? Yeah, and we'll get to that. That, oh. that was an interesting finding because <clears throat> yep. um, we did ask about some specific issues that we wanted to get people's opinions on, but the the way that we asked these first two issue based questions was an open ended. Oh, I uh, see. Question. It wasn't like pick from a list. It was like, tell us what you think is most important. Right. Can I just, um, um, I don't know if you touched on this, but I, the the economy itself, is that high on the list or um, I don't, uh, somewhere in between, because so, I know that's high on my list. I'm just wondering how other people voted. Yeah. So um, when asked about what uh, is most important for the state as a whole, um the economy came in at number four with nine percent. Um, uh, and then, when asked about what impacts, uh, you know, what impacts um, people's lives the most, um, jobs and economy came in at number five at eight huh, percent. Interesting. Interesting. I would. Yep. I just would have thought maybe because I'm feeling it more, would have thought the economy would have been up there. But there you go. Well, well, no. And here's an interesting piece about this, though, is that, and this is where you know things flip a little bit when um, we ask about what impacts families the most. So uh, what is, you know, uh, Pat, what is impacting you the most? Right. And, and when we ask that question, um, cost of living jumps to number one at seven oh. percent. Uh, so people are definitely feeling cost of living, even though when we asked about like it as a state level issue, um, you know, cost of living was pretty far down the list at only 8% and then jumps to 27% when we ask about, you know, things that are impacting people directly. Um, and this was like, you know, pretty universal across the board. Like pretty much everyone is at that 20% mark or 27% mark. Uh, Republicans were a little more likely to, uh, to gravitate towards this issue, um, but uh, everyone else was right at that. You know, a little over a quarter of of everybody said that that was well, their top issue. Because I'm I'm very family. grateful with my life and and what we have, but um, I have never picked up a piece of meat and put it back. And one time I I went out loud. I went X bucks. You know, whoa. 25 bucks. Are you kidding? And the woman next to me, we started this conversation about the cost of meat. And I used to, if I wanted that piece of meat, I'd get it. Now I'm like, nope, not buying yeah. that. And, yeah, and, and I think, and I think that gets to a salience issue. And that's why we asked this, this question in two different ways, because, um, there's a, you know, people have a perception about what's important for our state as a whole, even if it doesn't impact you directly. Um, but then also there are things that they recognize that do impact them directly in their perception. And, and a person's perception may be that, oh, this is just a me issue. It's not an everyone issue. And what we're seeing is that 
you know, when you when you get a, a swing like cost of living, which went from eight percent when you ask about the state to twenty seven percent when you ask about individual your, your individual situation, um, that means that would say that that issue is a lot more salient than people think it is. Like it's, uh, you know, people are like, well, this is not an issue for everyone. It's just an issue for me. But it turns out it actually really is an issue for a lot of people. Huh. Um, and and there's just a perception that it's not for some reason. Yeah, you had um, a sheet, uh, one of your uh, pages of documentation about negative ratings, the things that had real negative uh, ratings for people. And I found that list, which you've we've pretty much covered it, but it was availability of affordable housing. And I had um, Catherine Dimitrik, who's on the Planning Commission up in St. Albans, and she said that the housing now, there's a lot of single people looking for housing. And, you know, mm-hmm. they can't afford it because it's a single income. It's not a married couple with two incomes. And she said that's one of the biggest issues up there is that uh, single people starting out their career, just, you know, wanting to leave home and starting out on their own just can't find it, uh, find affordable housing. And then you had the infrastructure and the, and the economy and education and public schools did not do well in this, in this survey that, um, there's a lot of, of pushback and negativity about the, um, quality of education. And, uh, yeah. there's not much support for public schools, which I just think is eroding, particularly given the amount of money we spend. Yeah, and we can we can dive into that. I want to touch on something you said there, which is the affordable housing issue. Oh, and right. remember, um, you know, statewide affordable housing uh, was was ranked as the top issue at twenty one percent. Well, that what's interesting is that falls when we ask about like what impacts individual families the most. Um, that falls to um, way down the list. I think this is seven or yeah, I think this is six or seven um, to seven percent. So that goes from 21% to 7% when we ask about individual families. Um, And so like what that says to me is that the perception that people have probably because of the news coverage that's happened is that affordable housing is this giant issue, which it is, but, but but people's perception of it may be slightly overblown because when asked about what things that impact families like your family, uh, only seven percent said that was the biggest thing. Right. So, um, and suddenly, cost of living is twenty-seven percent, which is the the, you know, which is the most uh, appears to be the most salient issue among the whole um, the whole respondent base here. Interesting. Well, and I think that the um, as we were talking about single individuals, uh, single ho- homeowners, um, that I think that dynamic has changed over the years for whatever reason. Um, and, uh, uh, so they're part of the mix as well. We always think about families moving into homes, so two incomes and, um, but the, there's a lot of single income people there. They're really, um, struggling. And of course, the, uh, folks on fixed income, that's another, that's my story, but, uh, that's another whole yeah. story. Yeah. And that, and that didn't come through too much in the, in the survey yeah. except for like, unless it's baked into the cost of living situation, right? Where people on fixed incomes are like, oh, my cost of living is just unbearable and right. I can't go out and earn more income. Um, I, you know, there's probably a lot that falls into people's perception of cost of living. Um, so it, one other thing I wanted to touch on is, uh, so we talked about, you know, 
when we talk at the state level, how we were surprised by how um, how much people identified, you know, crime and safety and drugs uh, as an issue. Uh, well, it shows up in an issue when we ask. It shows up as number two when we ask about things that impact people directly um, at 17 percent. And that was uniform between Republicans and Democrats, like identical wow. numbers uh, identified that as their top oh, issue. Interesting. Um, so just out of, you know, one out of every five, uh, basically, interesting. Said that, that was their top issue. Um, and that that jumps when we look at women. So that jumps up to a, almost a quarter huh. of respondents uh, who are women, particularly young women, said that that was their biggest issue. Um, so and that was almost basically on par with uh, the cost of living, uh, which is number one generally, but um, was basically tied with crime, safety, and drugs um, for young women. Wow. Listen, uh, Ben, we have a caller, Jim from Barry. Uh, Jim, welcome to the show. We have a, a hard break, they call it, at um, uh, at 930. So if you can start your question and then hang on. It's kind of a long break, but we'll get back to you on the other side. Is that okay? I wanted to, uh, since you talked to statistics, I wanted to ask your opinion on the statistics surrounding um, food insecurity. Uh, uh, food insecurity is a huge problem. I, I don't diminish that at all. And, and people need food, and we need to provide it for those that need it. But I, I heard a definition recently by some authority that food insecurity is defined as just what you described when you picked up that piece of steak and put, wanted it but put it back because it was too... Well, who hasn't done that? If I, if, right. Is it food insecurity because I can't afford to eat lobster every single day if I'd like to, but I don't. Uh, ben, I, your polls did not cover food insufficiency, but do you have any comments? Uh, because I can certainly talk about that. But Yeah. Um, so we didn't ask about that issue specifically. We'll get into kind of some of the standalone issues that we, we asked about. Um, but what I would say is we did ask these two kind of general issue questions um, were open-ended. So people could have responded with something along the lines of food insecurity. We don't see that in the results, um, which means that it was less than 1%. So it would have fallen into the other category. Okay. Um, so less than 1% specifically said food insecurity, but I think probably when when people are talking about cost of living and inflation, they probably are thinking about right. cost of food um, included in that number. The things of cost like cost of energy, um, you know, uh, housing costs potentially, right. and food are exactly. probably what's. Yeah, Jim, that that's a big issue. It's, cer- it's a big issue for me. I think I've talked about it on any show I could fit it in. Um, uh, the numbers have just gone the wrong way on food insecurity. And I think to answer your question about the steak, with food insecurity, you don't even think about looking at steak. You find uh, alternatives to steak. Um, and a lot of people, from a financial perspective, have to um, go to food shelves. And they. everybody who runs a food shelf has told me that the numbers have increased dramatically and have covered – uh, a broader uh, view of people, a broader area of people that they haven't seen before. Um, somebody told me that um, the the first thing when people are having financial problems, the first thing they cut back on in their home uh, is food because you have to keep the lights on, you have to pay the mortgage, you have to drive the car. But the one thing you do have some control over of spending money is food. And um, 
when people are buying alternatives, it don't, they don't necessarily buy the, the balanced meals that, uh, that we would hope families would enjoy. Um, I think it's, um, just a whole, uh, look at an alternative, uh, eating menu. And, um, it's, it's not good in this agricultural state, which that's what drives me crazy, crazy because we're supposed to be an agricultural state and we have people mm-hmm. going hungry. So I don't know if that is that sort of what you were thinking about with your question or Jim. Oh, you, we might have lost Jim. <laughs> oh, we oh I guess we did. Oh, you were the one who said uh huh uh. Sorry, sorry, Ben, I didn't understand it. Anyway, yeah, I think. Um, uh, so, so what I would say to that is, um, you know, again, when asked about what issue directly impacts the respondent's family in their daily life the most, twenty-seven percent. Uh, said cost of living and inflation, which is the number right. one issue. Um, and so I, th- I think that, that a lot of those food insecurity issues uh, fall into that cost of living metric, um, the way that people think about it. Right. Well, I know with uh, Sue Midner from uh, Capstone, I mean, all these people that run uh, food shelves, the the people that are going there are uh, the same folks that have gone over the years, but there are other folks who, um, uh, who are now going, guys from, from the office wearing suits. They're, they're coming in and going to the food shelf. Is Jim back on the phone? Okay, Jim, I don't know if you heard my response, um, but, um, you can weigh in if you'd like to. I'd like to hear what you're thinking. I, I did hear it. And I appreciate that. <clears throat> I wanted to make one point. Um, I think it's and it, they're overstating their case to their own detriment. That was my point. I think oh. there's a serious problem with food insecurity, and it might be 20, 25 percent. When you start saying 40, 40 percent, and you define it as anyone that can't buy the food that they'd like to buy, that, that's my issue. I, I oh. think they're really doing their, their, their own, I think they're doing their own mission a disservice by overstating the statistics. Oh, I, I yeah, and thank I you. Think our, our results kind of back that up. I mean, it certainly it could be it could be twenty percent. Uh, it's certainly not forty percent. Yeah, that's I understand what you're saying, Jim. Thank you. That's interesting because you know when we had um, the food being given out in boxes at the Granite Museum, there was a line, and people were waiting hours in line to get this this box of, of food and the, the military was there handing it out. I don't know whether they supplied the food or, or not. I don't remember. But anyway, it was, it was staggering looking at the line and every, every year that number changes. And now Jim's right. It's at 40%. That's four. Uh, that's just a lot. When you look around, then everybody must know somebody who's, who's um, dealing with the definition of uh, food insufficiency. Well, if you, yeah, and I think you have to look at, um, and I, the other thing I would guess I would clarify here is that we were asking for top issues. So it right. could be that, you know, cost of living overall is a top issue for somebody, but then like cost of groceries or something might be number two. Yeah, but for the sure. The fact that nobody identified that as number one, huh. uh, like specifically food insufficiency says to me, like people are impacted by it, but, you know, it may be rolled into that cost of living number. Yeah. I just go quick because there's just two of us at home, Bruce and I, and sometimes I look at what I spend for groceries and I'm like, but there's only two of us. How does this happen? Um, but I, and I can't imagine if you've got a family, three, four kids, um, 
it's it's hard. I am fortunate enough that while I may put that piece of steak back, I can find another one that perhaps I can afford. So I am not complaining. I'm just stating I've noticed uh, the change in the in the price of things as well. So yeah. um, anyway, and I think you're right now. Can you talk a little bit about the the, the decrease in quality of education? Because um, it's not we. What is it? You said eighteen percent increase the other day, and I thought I read twenty percent. So I don't know in the property tax. Uh, yeah, so it's an eighteen point five percent increase okay. that the uh, tax department is projecting right now. Um, that's generally a worst case scenario. Um, you know that right now school budgets are coming back around 12% increase. Um, and so that's, what's driving that number to, to a large degree. Um, and so this gives school boards an opportunity to cut back on budgets, uh, to avoid that, you know, 18 and a half percent increase. That's um, scary. You know, so yeah, it, it is scary. I mean, when you talk about numbers like that, even a 10% increase is difficult for people. Yeah. Um, and then you combine that with some of our findings, um, you know, and it really starts painting a picture, I think. So uh, you kind of alluded to it. Uh, we did ask about um, a few issues specifically. So we we asked those two open-ended issue questions, like what do you think is the top issue for the state and then top issue for your family? Um, and then we asked, like, okay, what do you – how would you rate um, a number of – you know, how well the state is doing on a number of other issues? So one of the issues we asked about was the quality of education being provided in Vermont's public schools. Um, when asked that question, um, only 34% of uh, respondents thought that the quality of education being provided was good. Um, less than about 5%, only 5% thought it was excellent. Wow. So, um, you know, that is uh, that is not very high, especially in a state that um, has such a rich educational uh, heritage is Vermont. Like right. we, we tend to take pride in our public schools. Um, what this tells me is that some of that pride is eroding. Um, yep. When you have a 34% positive rating and a 57% negative rating of uh, the the quality of public schools, and we look at this and it's like very few to nobody thought it was excellent. Some people thought it was okay. Um, you know. Uh, about, and then basically a third thought it was okay, a third thought it was fair, and then a third thought it was poor, like actively thought it was bad. Right. Um, so that is very telling, um, and uh, and that cuts across pretty much every demographic. Um, Democrats were kind of 50-50 on that, um, but independents, Republicans, everyone else um, was basically in that two-thirds um, had a negative opinion, and that's that's a pretty big change from what we've seen in the past. Catherine from Moortown. Catherine, you're on the air. Go ahead. All right. Um, I don't know um, how this survey was conducted. Was it via the mail or on the telephone? But my comment is the additional 70 cents on a gallon of fuel, and all I can think is what were they thinking? (laughs) These Mm. houses are old. The people are old. Oh dear, dear. Yep. All right. Yeah. I think we, we can uh, all relate to did, that. Uh, 
that's a great teaser because uh, we did ask that question uh, about some of those policy priorities that the legislature is pushing, including the clean heat standard. Uh, and those will be in our results we're releasing next week. So that's great. Yeah, uh, we're going to talk about that. There. Yeah, exactly. I know. And Catherine's right. It's just ridiculous. You know, you walk by and you and you're like, come on, people. Um, I only put twenty five dollars at a time in my car, and I don't care how much the the it says it is. That's what I when I get to twenty five dollars, I stop. So I stop. I do. I just like I'm spending twenty five dollars. That's it for me. So anyway, uh, we have Forbes from Corinth on the phone. Forbes, you're on the air. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, I'd like to speak to the uh, the survey. Kind of interesting numbers there. Um, The legislature legislature as a whole, uh, kind of a a bad report. And the governor, uh, with an outstanding uh, acceptance. My my question is, uh, it's got to be disheartening for a governor to only have the power of a veto when it comes to... uh, being able to work with the legislature to deal with some issues. That's, that's got to be a tough, right. tough situation, just having a veto and that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it is interesting. It's an interesting situation. Um, and that's honestly kind of why we did this poll, um, because there's some clear policy differences between the governor and the legislature. Um, the governor has vetoed a number of bills. Uh, that the legislature has put forward, and um, and yet he still continues to get astronomical levels of support. Like some people say, he's the most popular governor in the country. He certainly wins every election with very wide margins, um, and uh, and yet um, he's uh, the policy differences between him and the legislature are pretty stark. So we were like, well, we're really kind of curious what people think of some of the issues that the legislature is putting forward. Um, and do they just like the governor because he's, you know, a nice guy, or do they actually like the governor because he is a, he is advancing policies that people agree with? Um, and, you know, the governor talks a lot about affordability and cost of living, and we can see that issue is number one uh, when we ask people about their family. Um, he also talks a lot about affordable housing. And that issue is number one when we talk about the state as a whole. So, like, the issues he's talking about are definitely resonating with people. Yeah, plus, I don't think people think the legislature is really listening to them, much less the governor. Uh, because you and I know, Ben, there was a bill that was my favorite bill, S-5. They got, which was had to do with fossil fuel. They got thousands of people calling and saying, please vote no. And nope, it went through, yeah. right? And uh, so I don't know why they don't hear what's happening out there and why the governor has so much support. There's a reason for it. So, yeah, and um, I, I kind of want to paint this picture a little bit because the other four issues that we asked about um, specifically, like to and ask people to rank positively or negatively, you know, we already talked about the quality of education. That was 57 percent negative. Uh, we asked about the state of uh, Vermont's economy. That was 69% negative. Wow. People had a 69% negative opinion of, of the economy. Um, again, that's another issue that Governor Scott talks a lot about. Um, we asked about the quality and condition of Vermont's infrastructure, which includes, and specifically we, we phrased it this way, it includes roads, bridges, highways, 
including flood control and mitigation right. dams and culverts, right? That is how that was the wording of the question. 73% negative. Right. Nearly three out of every four people thought we had, um, uh, you know, insufficient uh, infrastructure. Now, this probably is colored a little bit by the <laughs> yeah, flood past summer. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, but 73%, three quarters is just about said that our infrastructure is inadequate. But what um, I heard, Ben, if, uh, if I may jump in, uh, that the changes that were made to the infra- infrastructure, can't even say that word, uh, that they did for the, from the last flood actually held up. So what they were saying is not enough was done. We need to do more of the same, uh, same thing that we did, uh, at the last flood because all those fixes seem to, seem to work. Um, and we just need yeah. more. And, you know, again, like some of the reporting around this issue um, kind of indicated, right, there's a whole bunch of flood control dams that were put in after the 1927 flood. Yep. Um, those just barely held this time around. So we get much bigger of a storm than what we saw this summer. We're going to, you know, uh, we're going to have massive flooding in certain yep. parts of the state. Um, uh, so, you know, when you look at infrastructure, you know, uh, flood control dams are certainly part of it. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe even flood barriers. Uh, you know, we've seen those in other places, not so much in Vermont. But um, people are thinking about this. This is very yep. top of mind. And and they, you know, basically on all three of these issues so far, they say the state is failing. Well, there was a lot um, of talk about the Wrightsville Dam. And uh, unfortunately, people thought or heard that it was going to break. But what it was mm-hmm. really, what the reports were really about was that the water was going to overflow, which is yeah, not what, which is different than having it break because that would be catastrophic. I mean, that would be unbelievable. But, um, yeah. you're right. They've got to do more. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Um, cause so, it's, uh, it's going to happen again, right? It's going to happen again. Yeah. And we, we should be prepared for it. Um, so yeah, that's overwhelmingly negative. Two thirds had a negative opinion, yeah. or excuse me, three quarters had a negative opinion of our infrastructure. That brings us to affordable housing. This is the last issue that we yeah. asked about specifically um, in this section of the poll. And uh, remember, this was number one issue that people identified when asked about issues facing the state. Right? This is the number one issue. Ninety-two um, percent of respondents had a negative opinion. Wow. of the availability of affordable housing in Vermont. 92% nearly universal. What's really striking about that is that 77% gave it the worst possible rating. We gave people the option to say, you know, the availability of affordable housing is excellent, it's good, it's fair, or it's poor. 77% said poor. Well, that's highly, telling. Highly negative. There's a message. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. well. I mean, so. given what happened with the flood, I mean, people in the North End and Barry, I mean, it's just you go around the state and you're like, good grief. Um, yeah. Just so there's a lot of people displaced, lost everything in what, 10 minutes, your whole life just gone. So tell us yeah. quickly, because we've got just another couple of minutes. Um, you're going to send out another release of information and as people should go to campaignforvermont.org and you'll see their marvelous graphs, very understandable and, uh, and, and fascinating actually. But so tell us about the next release, Ben. 
Yeah, all of the details, all the methodology used, um, the graphs, charts, all that sort of stuff that really helps you visualize this data. Um, you can go to campaignforvermont.org, click on News um, up in the navigation bar, and that will take you. Uh, you'll see the two releases um, that we've done so far. There are two more coming, um, so we'll be excited to release those over the next couple weeks. Um, what I think the, the big takeaway, you know, from the results we've seen so far, the big takeaway is that um, – these issues, these four issues in particular that we talked about, the you know affordable housing, infrastructure, economy, and education, these are core government functions. Right. These are core things that people expect from their state and local governments. And the state is failing on these four issues. Um, and not even just by a little bit, like people's perception is they're failing by a lot. Um and the legislature is paying the price for that in the in their opinion you know people's perception of the legislature they're the ones that are taking the hit for that the governor does not seem to be taking a hit for that so that should be saying something um the fact that you know these are the issues people are talking about and and they're saying you know uh the state of these issues is very poor and um Oops. you know the legislature should take note then I hear the music. That's the cue. Um, I thank you so much for coming on the show. We will follow up with you with the next uh, releases and, of course, at the end, the big summary. Uh, please check it out. It's very interesting. Um, and we'll talk to Ben again. Thank you, Ben Kinsley from Campaign for Vermont. This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV.